Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Yeah, that story is correct. And no, it's not about the dog. And and no, it's not a question of having more money than you know what to do with. It's just, okay, you're walking the dog. The dog takes a poop. You've forgotten the bags. You don't have any. Eric goes that. You're just smiling. You can't get over that story. I love it. Well, but it's, I mean, seriously, it's like, what are you supposed to do? And it wasn't. I'm not in front of my house. I'm not near my house. So, I mean, the, the two choices are you just kind of leave it there because I'm, I'm never going to find it again to come back 10 minutes later. And, and anyways, it's mm-hmm. either you you leave it there or you pick it up. And if you pick it up, how are you going to pick it up? And I got no paper <laughs> products. I got no bag. I got no paper products. I got nothing. You know, you're either the SOB who leaves it or you're uh, the right. You're the, the idiot who reaches into his wallet and find now. Now, see, the thing is, somebody asked me when I've told that story, I said, OK, Jeff, what if what if you only had 20s in your wallet? And I think it, at mm. 20s, I leave it, you know, and I, I yeah, just yeah. I, I, I prepare myself for just the, you know, the ridicule of the neighbors and stuff. But for five bucks, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pick this up. <laughs> I have a clear conscience. And so that's why. I, see, I, I think I think our, our friend and colleague, Steve Scafidi, I think Steve is is really a bit of a curmudgeon on many, many things. You know, he's one of that kind of get off my lawn sort of guys. But and, and so I'm not that. But I, I do. I mean, if people are walking, I, I've lived in a condo complex now, but there's lots of green space. And if people walk by, and I mean, we—I think we had this happen well, a couple of weeks ago. There was some lady from one of the other condos that was like walking her dog, and the dog does its business on my neighbor's lawn, and then just leaves it. And the neighbor happened to be out and said, "Pick up that yeah, stuff." You can't do that. No, you I can't mean, yeah. So it's. I yeah, that's I just think that's that's what you end up doing. Wonder so. if she didn't have any money, she couldn't pick it. Well, I no no, she had a bag. No, because then when she got yelled at, she pulls a bag out. She was just too damn lazy to do it, and See, that's that bugs me. Well, it, it it bugs me too. I think if you're going to own pets, you have a responsibility to you know take care of them, and part of that is picking up their poop when you take them for a walk. So I'm, I, at least to that extent, I'm with Steve, maybe, you know, too far. Again, like I say, if I only had 20s, I don't know if I would have done the same thing. But it was worth five bucks to me. And no, I, I didn't, I, you know, I guess I could have thrown the $5 in the washing machine, but it was like, okay, just, just, just go. I, I've learned my life experience for five bucks. All right. Um, another Twitter storm today, but in a good way, as opposed to sometimes when the president sends out his tweets. Um, and matter of fact, a couple of the tweets that I've sent out, and you can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I have links to videos that we're going to be talking about later on in today's show, including a TV weatherman in Ohio who goes ballistic because he got complaints from his listeners. We'll check it out. Also, oftentimes on this program... We talk about people who regularly see racism where none exists, you know, playing the race card. Well, then there are other stories. And I've got a link to a video that I hate the phrase gone viral, but this video has gone viral. Um, It involves an older white woman who pulls a handgun on a black couple. 
Um, my question is, would she have done this to a white couple in similar circumstances? I doubt it. We'll discuss. If you want to see the video, again, follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ. And then something I, I just sent out. We're not going to talk about it specifically on today's program, although I found it to be extremely interesting. This this off season has been a particularly tough one for the Green Bay Packers. There's all one story after another about, you know, the the dysfunction that is rampant or at least allegedly rampant in the Packers organization. At least well, it was rampant. You've got you know, president the president Mark Murphy who seems to have be a, be a control freak who's kind of lost control. You have the general manager who doesn't have authority that normal general managers would have. You've got the new coach. You've got the guy that negotiates the contract. You've got the former coach, Mike McCarthy, who apparently hadn't gotten along with Aaron Rodgers. There's one story after another, and nobody looks good in it. Well, if you think the Packers organization is dysfunctional, you should read this piece that's up on ESPN about the Lakers you know, you want to talk about a once great franchise that is a complete, total, hot mess. Um, you read this ESPN piece, and that's the only phrase. I mean, I that you you look up the definition of of hot mess in the dictionary, and you're going to see a picture of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I have a link to the ESPN story up on my Twitter account as well. So if you follow me again, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Um, you you can get that. All right, let us get started. The big story of the morning is Bob Mueller speaks after two years of silence conducting his investigation. Bob Mueller addresses uh, the public and he's essentially, you know, really saying, look, I'm closing the office. I'm done. My report speaks for itself. He is subtly saying, don't bother subpoenaing me because I'm not going to say anything that is not expressed in the 446-page report that we came out with. But the upshot of what he said today that is generating all the talk is that he says, well, the, the Constitution, in his opinion, is very clear that a president cannot be charged with a federal crime when he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Even if the charge is kept under seal and hidden from public view, that, too, is prohibited. So he's saying you, you can't charge him. He says charging the president with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. In other words, I did not have the power to charge him. All right, here's the statement that is generating all the controversy. He talks about the investigation, and then he says, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. Now, that's kind of an awkward statement because of where the negative is put in. But he says, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. In other words, he's not saying that the president committed a crime, but he's not saying that the president didn't commit a crime, right? So I've been listening to all sorts of commentary this morning. People are saying, see, 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 that means that he would have charged the president if it had been anybody other than the president. No, that that's not what that means, it, because there's all sorts of times, take it from me as a former federal prosecutor, when you look at a case and you say, all right, this is all the evidence here. I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't I can't say for sure that the person isn't guilty of something, but at the same time, I don't know that the evidence supports a conclusion that he is guilty of something. I mean that happens that happens a lot. So simply saying we're not sure he's not not we're, we don't well, I'll just say 
If we had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. All right. That's that doesn't mean the opposite, that automatically you believe that he committed a crime. Nevertheless, it does cast doubt on the whole circumstance and it opens up the question of where do we go from here? Where you go from here, if you want to go somewhere before the 2020 elections, is you go the impeachment route. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free line. I do not believe that impeachment at this stage of the presidency gets us anywhere. I also don't believe it's going to happen. By that, I mean you can you can bring articles of impeachment, but President Trump is never going to be convicted in the Senate. You need two-thirds majority. you got 53 Republicans. So could you impeach him by a majority vote in the Democrat-controlled House? Yes. Could you remove him from office? Absolutely not. It's just not going to happen, which makes the whole thing an exercise in futility, a waste of time, and a distraction. But it might make for great political theater. I don't think this is the way to go, but let's tee it up. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In the wake of the Mueller comments today, should Congress undertake to impeach President Trump? Would you like to see us spend the next year and a half on the impeachment train? 414-799-1620, if you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, do we go ahead and with impeachment? The election is November of 2020. It's already June of 2019. I, no. I mean, number one, it, it's an exercise in fertility. I mean, realistically, as you've stated, yep. obviously, because they, you know, they don't have the Senate. And second of all, I mean, it, it's just another major distraction. I mean, it, it just seems like, you know... I don't agree with a lot of things he does, and I don't agree with the way he does it. But on the flip side, he's trying to get things done, and all these distractions and and whatnot are just. There's other more important things that need to be accomplished. I guess is what I'm. It just seems to me like. Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I, time and money. Well, I I I mean, I I agree, especially. Given the fact that, I, I don't know, would a prosecutor have ultimately charged the president with obstruction if he wasn't the president? I, 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 Mueller certainly didn't say that. He, he just said, okay, we, we just, we didn't even evaluate this con- type of stuff. Yeah. yeah, he didn't have, right. there, was, there was nothing conclusive. It was, it was kind of like, right. yeah, if you really wanted to go down that rabbit hole, you probably could. But right. on the flip side, you know, I mean, you know, you know, and you're a lawyer, obviously, or an ex lawyer, you know, I mean, I mean, unless you can. Right. I, I, I mean, I will. I mean, no, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I will say this and I stand by it. If I was the prosecutor and I, I read I read especially the, the, the second I, I read with interest the obstruction of justice stuff. I think that given and people say, well, if it wasn't the president, he would have been charged. Well, that, that's not that's not true. You have to prove intent. And I, you just read it, and I'm thinking, okay, well, could an aggressive prosecutor have maybe on in one instance or maybe another made an occasion that this would be a charge? Yeah, but it's certainly not a dead-bang winner. It, it, it's not. And I, I think most prudent prosecutors, given the fact that it is the president who is the one that ultimately has the authority to hire the attorney general and to hire the special counsel and controls them, do, does the president have the power to fire people? Yes, 
Um, I, I, it would have been a very, very tough criminal prosecution. Let me put that like that. And I think that's that's kind of the reality of it. You would be fighting uphill. Now, impeachment is a political process. There's no question about it. But the question to me becomes, given the fact that the re- Trump's removal from office is not going to happen in a Republican Senate, it's just not going to happen. I mean, is this the best way to spend resources for what essentially will be a political show trial? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lewis on the South Side. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Well, after the Ken Starr report, Congress impeached Bill Clinton because they had proof of perjury and uh, obstruction. Um, they had emails and stuff, uh, whereas the Mueller report has no evidence, so therefore he's they're not going to uh, do uh, impeachment. Um, and well, well, let me ask you this, Lewis. How, how did impeachment work out for Republicans, you know, of, of Bill Clinton? Is, I, I, I think it, it... Well, that's it, easily it, answered, Jeff. Um, <laughs> the, the Democratic senators refused yeah. to charge Bill Clinton, despite the fact that they had proof right. that he told Monica Lewinsky not uh, right. to and, lie. And the public, and the public turned on the Republicans, and it cost them dearly, you know, in the, the elections. No, thanks. I mean, see, that's, that's, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, hit the button. That's the, I mean, that's the big political perspective that's here. I mean, it's, I, and I will tell you, let me share just a couple emails, um, a t- couple texts that all have to say the, say the same sort of thing. Um, the, the idea being that if the Democrats decide to do that, it will just become a Republican revolt and guarantee a victory in the 2020 election. He will never be convicted. Let them try. And here's another text. Vote him out if you don't want him in office. It's as if they think that he won't be or can't be voted out. So his opponents believe that impeachment is the only way. Um, yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I think... I think there's a possibility that if you go down this route to really see a backlash, not unlike the backlash that we saw um, eight years ago, nine years ago in Wisconsin, where after Governor Walker rolls out Act 10, you have, against the advice of some senior Democrats, you have this kind of populist movement that says, oh, we want to do the recall. Well, the recall didn't work out very well, and I think it led clearly to Walker's reelection in 2014. I, I think it, it's a high-stakes game. For me, whether they do impeachment or not, I just think it's, it, since it is a waste of time, since it is just going to be political theater, I think what we really need to do is let's try to concentrate on the things that matter to all of us, like trying to figure out how to save Social Security and trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to do with China and trying to make sure that North Korea doesn't send nuclear missiles heading for Japan. Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you today? Real well, thank you. What do you think? I'm in favor of, uh, of hearings. I think uh, we need to, uh, I think I read where only 3% of the American public who presumably will be voting have actually read the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. So I think nowadays, you know, people are very busy. They don't have time. Who's going to sit down? I, it took me two weeks to read the second volume of the obstruction part, and I was dedicated to doing it. I don't think a lot of Americans are going to do that. So I'd like to see it played out uh, on television. I think a lot of people... Uh, you know, we'll be able to sit down and, and uh, for some of these people saying that there's no evidence. I mean, they obviously didn't read the Mueller report. And as far as backlash, you know, Nixon was impeached and Carter became president and Clinton was impeached and, and Bush became president. So uh, I'm like a Republican, conservative Republican. And I don't think it's going to be that much of a backlash against the Democrats at all. 
Well, I I guess, I mean, I'm, so you would say that, do you accept my premise that the president's not going to be removed from office? That, the, no, well, that wouldn't be the point, though. That, 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 uh, okay. uh, Congress's job is to investigate it because that's what Bob Mueller indicated in his report. Uh, okay, but, but you would say then that if we understand that the outcome is preordained, so it's not a question of investigating it. It's a question of, because Mueller's already investigated, it's a question of uh, essentially go- covering the same ground that he covered and then the trying public, to... So the public can hear it, yes, because they, oh. they haven't read it and they don't know. I've I talked to so many people, Jeff. Oh. They have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about some of the yeah, details of obstruction and so on. They just haven't heard it. They okay. don't know it. So we're doing it then if we if we accept the premise that he, he's not going to be removed from office. Um, and we under, and we also accept the premise that we're just we're going over ground that's already been covered at least in the report. What we're doing it then is we're going through impeachment just for essentially political theater, so we're people the public so they can vote in 2020 and understand what's going on. Right? I mean, I'm a big fan of rule of law. I think it's amazing if the tables were turned and this was a Democrat. I got to believe Jeff, you'd be on the radio saying we need to investigate it. Well, I think well, no, but see that's the problem. You know, you, you keep saying investigate and. And I'm not talking. It has been investigated. You know, we're, we're we're past the investigative point. There's nothing that Congress is going to do that's going to discover something different than what the Mueller investigators over two years invest discovered. So there's no there's no more investigation to be done. It's not like they're going to uncover something different. The question is pretty simple. Given the information that the Mueller report had. Is that a sufficient basis to bring an impeachment action against the president? That that's what the fundamental question is. And and I understand if you want political theater, you say, okay, we, we go down that route and we have the political theater. I guess I'm just trying to be of the perspective. And by the way, the the impeachment thing in Clinton didn't work out very well politically. Huge backlash that ended up costing Republicans a ton of seats in in Congress. I think, you know, I think the risk is the same. You end up risking making President Trump uh, a victim and a martyr, and it's clearly going to, uh, again, uh, crystallize some support that his supporters have. But the bottom line is it's not going to accomplish anything. It's not like let's investigate it because we might find something new. It's, okay, let's do the impeachment because that will keep the issue on the front pages for the next year. And and my point is if it's not going to get anywhere, fix Social Security. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you are a regular listener, you know that occasionally I will talk about the the former Northridge Shopping Center. And I I bring this up because there was a time in the not-too-distant history of this area where Northridge was a really, really big deal. When I was in high school, growing up in Glendale, Northridge was the place that you would go on on weekends. It was thriving. There were a ton of restaurants. There was a a movie theater that had six or eight screens. I, I forget what. There were all these different activities that were going around. You would go out to Northridge, and it wasn't just the area at Northridge that was thriving, but the, it wasn't just Northridge, but the whole area around Northridge was thriving as well. You you had restaurants up and down that, that whole area. You had Northridge Lakes, which was and still is uh, you know, a, an apartment-slash-condo complex, but back in the day, it was a place where people actually wanted to live. It was a thriving, thriving area, and then the whole thing fell apart, and there's lots of reasons 
reasons why the Northridge development, you know, ended up like it did. But the bottom line is, I, I think what the last store left Northridge since 2003, and it has essentially been a moonscape. And now what you've seen is that whole area around it is in is in a death spiral. All right, in 2008. Now, let me think here. We are in June of 2019, so let's give some perspective on this. In 2008, you had a group of Chinese investors. Uh, the, the group, the company is called the U.S. Black Spruce Enterprise Group that purchased the Northridge buildings, essentially most of Northridge except for where the Boston store was, but the, but the heart of the mall. They purchased that in 2008, and they ended up paying $6 million. Now, I can remember when all this happened because I was doing a radio show, and we talked about it on the radio. The idea that this group had is, okay, we're going to, we're going to buy this mall, and what we're going to do is we are going to convert it into a trademark where Chinese companies can come in and they can sell clothing and toys and furniture and other items to U.S. retailers. We're, we're going to essentially turn this into this like 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 giant retail type of operation that will be open to the public and also be open to retailers, and it will bring all sorts of other business development to the area. Okay, that was 2008. Now, we could go back and listen to – we didn't do podcasts back then, but if we did, we could go back and listen, and you would hear me expressing skepticism about this just because I think the area has changed dramatically. And even back then, I'm not sure that retail was really the way to go, even on that type of level. I don't know if I would have been right or not, because since 2008, and now here we sit in um, almost June of 2019, so in 10 or 11 years, in that decade, This group has not done one damn thing with that building. And they haven't done anything to maintain the building. So what you have is the thing has fallen into complete and total disrepair. It is not just an eyesore. It is a safety concern. You have people that regularly break into the building and steal anything they can. Oh, is there copper piping here? Well, we're going to steal that. Here, do we need railings or whatever? Let's steal that. So nothing has happened for the, the past 10-plus years. So finally, in a in the sense of enough is enough, the city decides we got to do something with this. So they go to court seeking a raise, R-A-Z-E, a raise order to tear down the building. They want to declare it a nuisance. They want to tear it down, and then what they want to do is they want to essentially try to, you know, repurpose it, maybe bring in some light development, et cetera, et cetera. The, uh, the property right now, because it has fallen into such disrepair, the entire Northridge property, except for that Boston store area, it's assessed at $81,000. $81,000. They estimate that to just to start to repair the buildings, it would cost at least $6 bucks, And I think that's... I think that's really low. I think that people aren't appreciating how badly, you know, dilapidated and deteriorated it is. But the property's assessed at $81,000. It would cost at least $6 million to start, you know, just trying to get it back to where it was 10 years ago since it's fallen into neglect. So the city says, hey, we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to condemn this building. It's a safety hazard. 
You know, it's a health hazard. Boom, the value is so low compared to what the um, repair cost would be that it fits the criteria. So they say, we're going to tear it down. All right, fine. Now, are they going to be able to bring in light industrial? I don't know. But here's what happens next. After they say it tears it down, tear it down, these Chinese investors, this group that has owned it for 10 years and hasn't done anything with it, now they swoop in and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, we, we don't want you to tear it down. We're, we're, we're ready to go. We have these plans and they roll out these fancy drawings. I was watching some of them on TV last night and they've got pagodas and they've got all this fancy stuff. And, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn it into this, this giant Chinese trademark and look at these great drawings. And the TV reporters go out and they find some people from the economically depressed area and they show them these drawings. And these people say, wow, that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, that, that would be great. Of course, this is idea has been percolating for the last. 10 years. This is the same thing they talked about in 2008, and now it's 2019, and now the Chinese investors are saying, well, we're ready to go. Here, let's let's cancel this raise order, and, and we're going to get started. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I were to give any advice to the city of Milwaukee, that advice would be, I don't think you can trust these investors as far as you can throw them. And if they wanted to do something with this property, they've had the better part of a decade to do it. And these promises that now, all of a sudden, now we're really serious about this, what I think is a pie-in-the-sky thing, now we're going to get started this screams delay tactic. My prediction is if you don't go ahead and tear it down, five years from now we're going to be having the same conversation, and Northridge is going to look just like it does today, except even in worse shape because there won't have been any maintenance over the last five years. 414-799-1620. I just don't think this is realistic. If, you know, if you've had 10 or 11 years to roll out these plans and you haven't done it, this idea that, well, now we're really serious about it, I'm skeptical. What are what do you think? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You've owned the Northridge property since 2008. You haven't done anything except let it deteriorate. The city finally says enough is enough. They're going to tear it down. And now these Chinese companies, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're committed to this property. We want to, we're prepared to immediately start beginning improvements. We're going to open it as this fancy trademark in 2021. Okay. I, I, I've seen the drawings. The drawings look cool, but that was the same thing we were promised 10 years ago. I would not trust these investors as far as I can throw them. That's just me. Vincent on the Northwest side. Vincent, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. I, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust them, not one, one cent. The fact is, is that if they had any good faith effort, they would go back there and take care of that uh, a weed-infested jungle that's throughout the parking lot back in, in, in the back. A lot of folks just see it from the front. But if you look at the back, it's like it's like trees growing through where, par- where right. the parking lot was and, right. and, and, and stuff like that. The fact is that when Penzi bought the air, the, the piece of it that he had, the Boston, the old Boston store area. Yep. Yeah. When he bought that, he cleaned it up. He cleaned he cleaned up the whole outside. He went and trimmed the trees and everything else. 
and 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 these guys and these Chinese guys didn't do anything to their and 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 it, and it's horrible back there. So they don't they don't even have a good faith effort to even go back there to clean that up. So huh. how are we going to figure that they're going to deal with deal with the whole property that they have? Right, and, and they say, oh, don't we're, we're, our tentative plans are to open it in two years. Oh, give me a break. You know, I mean, no. unless you were going to show up with workers, you know, and unless you were willing to commit ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars up front and getting people there starting tomorrow, you're not going to have this bill. I mean, the, the building has fallen into such complete disrepair. I don't even think it's salvageable, to tell you the truth. I don't. No, I don't think it is. I think it needs to be be leveled to the ground. And then whatever they try to build, they try to build something else there. But it needs to be leveled to the ground. And I wouldn't trust them. They need they need to let it go and and, and get rid of it. Thanks to call, Vincent. And again, look, I I mean, I, I... I was skeptical back in 2008. This, the, the idea of, oh, it's going to be an international trademark, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't sound like it's something that had the trappings of success. And, I mean, so, I mean, I, I understand why they haven't advanced with it, because it doesn't look like it's going to work. Um, okay, so I, I get all that. If, if anything, the business environment has become a lot worse. The area has deteriorated even more. I mean, you really mean to tell me that these business people, this group, are going to put tens of millions of dollars into developing this? I, I just, I flat don't believe it. And part of it is based on what they've done over the last 10 years. Now, look, I don't know if light industrial is the way to go. I, I don't. But but what we're doing now doesn't work. And simply saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to let this drag on another three or four years. All right, so so then what do you do? 2021, 2022, 2023, nothing material has happened. Okay, then do you tear it down? How is that fair to the surrounding community? 414-799-1620. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I Hi, grew Jim. up two miles from Northridge, and I worked there at Gimbel's after college. Uh-huh. And I know the area very well. And uh, I think it's a load of bulls that the Chinese are trying to foist on us. And the bigger issue is that that is like a that shopping area is or former shopping center is like a cancer on yep. the area which is affecting all the surrounding area yep. and if you've got something decent in there it might bring back property values uh in a lot of the surrounding area yeah well it, yeah it, it might and that's why i mean i think the city is on the right track recognizing that you know, it's it's not going to be what it was. The, the possibility for a giant retail shopping center—that's not it. But but maybe if you can get some light industrial stuff there, maybe that will spur some you know additional growth. Maybe you'll have some restaurants or some other stores that'll spring up. But but you're right that that whole area around there has just taken a nosedive along with you know the, the deterioration of the shopping center. And to me, it's got to be a priority. You got to get it done and. I, I just, I just, with all due respect, I don't trust this investment group. If they haven't done it in 11 years, why are they suddenly going to start doing it today? Well, I don't get why they've dithered so long. What what does it benefit them to hold on to a piece of worthless property? I don't get it. Well, I think because, okay, so they announced these grand plans. Oh, I mean, my, my, my layman's thing would be you announce these grand plans, and then you start to recognize, you know, it's going to be really tough to pull this off. I mean, do you think a... Do you think a, a, a Chinese product trademark would really succeed in that location? 
I doubt it. Me too. I know. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. So then the question is, okay, if we accept this premise that you're talking $10, $12 million, however much it is, to try to just get this building back to where people can go in there, and the the business concept may or may not work. Um, who's gonna Who's gonna put that money in there? I guess that's that. I, mean, I just thought this was ill considered from the beginning. No, thanks for the call. But I mean, I, I just at some point in time, I think after you've had a piece of property for ten years, and one of the things the city is doing is the city is looking. I mean, they're looking at the values. That property is assessed at eighty. That building is assessed at eighty one thousand dollars. I mean, just think of think of what Northridge was. If you grew up in this area, think of what Northridge was. And now they're saying those buildings are eighty-one thousand dollars in assessment. I mean, okay, you, you've got you've got tiny Milwaukee bungalows with holes in the roof, you know, that are assessed at you know well above eighty-one thousand dollars. Bob in Big Bend. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Bob. I don't believe them either, and I'm just wondering now when the city tears it down, how do they recoup their costs? Yeah, well, I mean, the city's got to, I mean, no, I mean, thanks to the call. The city, the city was going to have to pay for it. I, I think in, is, as a practical matter, the city is, if they're condemning the building, they're going to have to pay for it. What they would hope ultimately to do is to recoup the costs by finally, you know, finding some productive use for it and then beginning to collect property tax over like $81,000. So that, that's, that's the idea. It's an expensive proposition. It's a proposition of last resort. But I don't think that the city has has any sort of choice at all. And, again, I'm looking at all this coverage yesterday. Oh, they've got these great plans. Look, isn't this cool? Well, okay, it probably costs you $1,000 to do all these fancy drawings that everybody says, oh, that's just great. My question is, well, why haven't you done anything? If this made such great sense, why haven't you done anything in the last 10 years? Just asking. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric Bilstadt, you, you've been here for a long time as well. If you were to go, if we were to assemble all the different people that have, have worked in our front office at the switchboard, you know, greeting guests mm-hmm. and, 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 and handling phone calls and stuff, if we were to assemble all of them and get them together and ask them the simple question of, gee, what what event typically causes the phone lines to just go nuts? You know, do you know what that their answer would be? Boy, I don't. I because there is one. There is an there is answer one. to that. Yeah, there there is an answer. <laughs> to what this. when days of our lives is yes. preempted? Yes, that's it. When day okay, days of our lives that airs on today's TMJ four at one o'clock. If days of our lives is ever preempted the switchboard goes nuts and and i mean it doesn't matter what the preemption is for yeah 911 why are you in news coverage you know um impeachment here why are you in news coverage mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if 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 the story isn't on where is my story you know you preempt days of our lives and, and it's not it's not only it's not just one or two calls there are a ton of phone calls and a lot of them are nasty, you know, oh, which yeah, is they're angry. To, to they're these, upset. Yeah. You know, and it's and I'm thinking the people that answer the phones here and answer they're, they're wonderful people. They're very, very nice. And they they got all these hostile people going, mm-hmm. Where are my stories? Why is it? And you go, Well, there's you know, there's I don't know, there's an international crisis going, I don't care, I want days of my lives. All right. So that <laughs> it it it's yes. it's true. I mean it, it that's that is true. Now I bring this up 
because as you know, we have been very fortunate here weather-wise. We have missed out on all the severe weather that's that's running across the country. But you know, a number of areas to our south and to our west have been dealing with these devastating tornadoes. And you know, clearly, when there is a tornado that comes through your area, that is a big deal. Now, I understand you might think that the media overhypes weather or something like that. And I, I don't want to argue that with you. But when there's a tornado, okay, that's when there's a tornado, that is the big story that's out there because it is a threat to one's life. You know, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I sent out a link to this story that contains the video of, of this. But the other night, there is a tornado that is moving through Dayton, Ohio, right? So we're talking about an actual tornado. And, of course, what's happened is the local TV stations have have broken in, and they're in weather coverage because, did I mention there is a tornado that is going through the area? And and you you look at the green screen that the meteorologist stands in front of, and I mean, it's it is lit up like a Christmas tree. You know, we're we're not talking about you know some of that like green and maybe a little bit of yellow you see. We're talking about red and you know spiraling things. I mean, it it really looks kind of like what you think the end of the world is going to look like. So the TV station has broken into coverage to tell people that there's a tornado coming. All right. And my guess is they've been in coverage for a little bit of, of time, but they're saying, we've got tornado warnings, folks. These are tornado warnings. And the meteorologist comes out standing in front of the green screen that has all these different things, warning, 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 and all these different bells and whistles going on. And this is what he says. Uh, I was just taking social media. We have viewers complaining already. Just go back to the show. No, we're not going back to the show, folks. This is a dangerous situation, okay? It's nice, right? Think about this. This was your neighborhood. I'm sick and tired of people complaining about this. Our job here is to keep people safe, and that is what we're going to do. Some of you complain that this is all about my ego. Stop. Okay, just stop right now. It's not. I'm, I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. Sit dangerous situation here. All right, I'm sorry I did that. I'm just, it just really bothers me that we have people that don't care about other people's safety around here. That's just ridiculous. New tornado warning here. Oh, that's the same one we had. Uh, that's headed towards central and southern Mercer County. Okay, so you get you get the idea. Okay, there's tornadoes that are warnings. There's tornadoes on the ground. There's this destruction. And people are, are sending him notes and calling up, and they're complaining that they have cut away from the TV show that they were watching. What is that TV show? The Bachelorette. Now, it's the Bachelorette. I am now. I got to just say this. I am proud of the fact that I have never watched a single episode of the Bachelorette. I, I the only reason I know about it is because you turn on Good Morning America, and then every once in a while they've got like updates from the Bachelorette. I am proud of the fact that I have never watched either the Bachelor or the Bachelorette. But here you got this weather guy who's talking about these devastating tornadoes that are moving through the area, and people are calling up, going, "Well, I want to see what happens on the Bachelorette." All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He is being taken to task for taking viewers to task for their complaints, 
414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I find it impossible to criticize that this this weather guy under these circumstances. I completely understand his frustration. For people who say the customer, in this case it would be the viewer, the customer is always right, the answer is no, the customer is not always right. Now maybe you can argue that the guy was unprofessional to lash out in this way, but you know what? Under these circumstances, I think that rant you heard was absolutely justifiable. And you know what? This weather guy, his name is Jamie Simpson, he, he's he's my hero of the week for trying to offer some people some perspective. All right, should he apologize to the viewers? Should he be disciplined for lashing out and saying, hey, knock it off. We're not going back to the Bachelorette. There's a tornado in the area. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. No, and some people were saying to me, well, I think this guy would behave in a really unprofessional fashion. no. No, I think I think he said what needed to be said under the circumstances. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Let me just share a couple texts before we go to uh, the phones. Jeff, I'm a huge fan of this guy. He proved he cares about his job. Reminds me of how police chiefs talk when an officer is killed. Sometimes outrage is appropriate. Kyle says, no, don't discipline him. That was probably the first time those angry tweeters were ever parented. They need a dose of reality. They need a dose of priorities. Here's another text, though. He was out of line. He needs to be fired. Hmm. Um, let's see, another text. I think he needed to tell those silly, addicted fans of The Bachelorette to be aware of a tornado. Kudos to the weatherman for his rant. Well said. Uh, no, he shouldn't have to apologize. On a side note, The Bachelorette? Really? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dawn in Kenosha. Dawn, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Dawn. This gentleman was dead on. I... There is no reason to apologize. There is um, no reason for him to be disciplined. If his higher-ups had any guts, they would come out with a statement saying, thank you to our weatherman for showing how much we care about our public, and he was right. just spot on. I belong to a Facebook page um, about baseball, Um Cubs baseball in particular. Okay. And they had, well, and the reason I say that is because Chicago had tornado warnings going as well. Sure. On, what, what day am I on? It's Wednesday, on Monday. Right. And people were complaining because the tornado warning came on and interrupted the ball game. <laughs> yeah. I said, wait a minute, guys, this is life and death. You know, in the big scheme of things, baseball's a game. And I had a guy come back and tell me to calm my boobies down. <laughs> what? That's not the word he used. Right, but, right. But um, I mean, yeah. But and you... I just said, you know, think about it. I'm a trained storm spotter. It's situational awareness. People need to be aware of these things. If they're not watching the game, maybe, maybe it's up to you to go to your neighbors and say, hey, guys, we need to take cover. Well, right. And you know, Dawn, I guess... Look, I, I understand that, that there's a lot of people that think weather coverage gets overhyped and that it gets over-dramatized. And, and maybe I would feel differently if this was like ongoing coverage of 
it, it's snowing. And so, you know, you've, and they've been in, they've been in weather coverage for the last three or four hours and it's snowing and, and people are saying, okay, we get the idea that it's snowing. You're not plowing any new ground. Come on, go back to programming. Now, that, right, you know, we're in Wisconsin. It's, right, it's, exactly. Yeah. Maybe I would understand it then, but that's, we're, we're talking about active tornadoes. There's tornadoes that are going on and people are saying, I want to see the bachelorette. <laughs> really? I would say how stupid are people, but I think that's rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, no, thanks. So, I mean, again, and it's, it's, it, I, and I understand that that everybody has an opinion. I've tried to explain weather coverage b- before, and I and you know people will say, "Oh, they, they spend too much time overhyping the weather coverage." And there there's a reason that they do that, namely that you know weather is something that we're all experiencing. And when there's really bad weather, you know people tune in at different times and they want to see it. And okay, so that's a decision that that people that's a decision that the news directors and all make. But in this particular case. Again, we're, we're not arguing about, gee, you know, they, they've been in coverage too long for snow and there's no real threat. It's just it's snowing or whatever. This is an act. It's a tornado. It's a tornado. Let's talk to Doug in Waukesha. Doug, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Doug. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, hi Doug. Thank you. Uh, my problem. Oops, I'm, I'm sorry, Doug, you're, you kind of lost your cell phone there. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I, I think what Doug was going to say is he, he thought the way the guy handled this was was unprofessional, you know, where he kind of tells them that, you know, you got to stop it. I'm done with you people. I really am. This is pathetic. And I, all right, look, this comes from the perspective of somebody, you, 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 I, I will fully, I'll tell you this in, up front, if you if you want to be in the media, you cannot have a terribly thin skin. You you just can't because you get all sorts of you get all sorts of feedback. It comes with the territory. It comes with, you know, what whatever people get paid and it comes with the fact that, you know, people recognize your voice or they recognize you from television and it comes with the fact that, you know, most of the people are very nice and, you know, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't like the show. But every once in a while there's those people out there that just, you know, they don't like you and they're they want to vent and they say all sorts of nasty things that they wouldn't have the guts to say to your face. But, you know, they use that through the internet and you, you just have to let it roll off your back. So I do understand that this guy you know kind of takes it to that next level when he says well you know it's people are saying it's all because of my ego and i'm done with you this is just pathetic so i mean i guess you can make the argument that that perhaps he shouldn't have chastised those people who were giving him this kind of feedback as significantly as he did i guess i just don't have a problem with it because I, I'm all into being real, and if you have people that you know would rather watch The Bachelorette than know about whether there's a tornado moving in in their area, well, I, I think they've got they got problems. Let's talk to Michelle in Grafton. Hi, Michelle. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Um, I think it's a great to- topic. I think his message was spot on. His delivery could have been tweaked. You know, they say you know it's like before you send something, take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, um, and I. I think would could I have heard John Milan or uh, Brian Goddard doing that? Absolutely not. You know, what I mean, I think they get the message apart across, but in a different way. Oh, I and could hear Paul Joseph saying this. <laughs> you know, I could, I, I, I could hear, I could hear my friend Paul Joseph. You know, if, if you know, in the age of the internet, if he was getting all sorts of like really nasty, hostile emails when he's trying to tell people that there's a life-threatening situation, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I could kind of hear Paul saying, "You're not going to no, believe the emails I'm right. getting." I remember yeah. you know, Paul Joseph, and he lived a 
yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. But, you know, yeah, I think the delivery could have been too tall. Well, th- again, thanks. I guess my bottom line is I don't think the guy has anything to apologize for, and I certainly don't think he deserves to be fired or anything like that. And I think he, he helps put us in perspective as well. And, again, I, I always – we see that locally, and it is true. Whenever Channel 4 preempts days of our lives, it's just like a nightmare for the ladies up front because the phone lines always explode, and you want to say – well, you know, this is a pretty breaking news story or whatever. Or yeah, we're dealing with severe weather and yes, you know, don't don't worry, we'll we'll catch up on whatever happened on days of our lives on a given date. If you want to see again the video and I, I played the audio of it, but it is, you know, if if you look at the weather map this guy's standing in front of, it, it does kind of look like it's a really bad situation. I've got a link to it. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. The, the breaking news from downtown Milwaukee is that the Milwaukee Common Council um, is apparently delaying any sort of vote on an expansion of the Milwaukee streetcar, Tom Barrett's legacy, until at least June. Um, the Common Council not taking up a measure to expand the streetcar. So that means it's going to be at least you know, later on next month. Now, this becomes, you know, significant because if you were going to do the expansion, and especially if you wanted to finish an expansion um, by the 2020 Democratic National Convention, it, it becomes much more difficult that the clock starts running on you. My sense is that you have some of the aldermen. It's not that they're necessarily hesitant about the streetcar, although some are, and the expansion. But there's others who are saying kind of like, like, what about me? Why, you know, why if, you know, th- right now this is pretty much a, a bright, shiny toy for downtown. What about our districts? You know, why aren't you running it further into my district? Or why aren't you f- running it further in, uh, to the north or further to the south? And so a number of aldermen, you know, aren't getting the answers they want to that question. Meanwhile, the new streetcar numbers are are out, and I, I guess I want to share them with you, and then my question is going to be, based on these numbers, do they justify a massive expansion of the streetcar, all right? Now, when, when they rolled out the streetcar, keep in mind, when we were talking about this initially, the, the original idea was you're going to charge people to ride on it. That was the idea. You'd have to pay a buck. And the cost and part of the money that would come in from ridership would go to offset the cost of operating the streetcar. Well, the Potawatomi then stepped up, and I'll give them credit, with with a deal. And the Potawatomi, at least for the first year, they've kicked in a bunch of money. And so the streetcar is free. Matter of fact, I've talked to, you know, several people who are, in the downtown area. And one of my big questions is, do you, you know, to tell me what you see on the streetcar. And they say, well, you know, most of the times the streetcar is empty, but there are times where, yeah, I mean, there, there's people on it, like in the evenings and on some of the weekends and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it, it's free. It's kind of a, a curiosity. You go down there and say, oh, what, what's, what's this like? And it, it's easy because it's free to ride it. The, the numbers when they were when they were talking about projected ridership, the estimate was we think that you can get about um, 
1,800 riders a day. That was kind of the number that they were operating about. And again, that assumed paid ridership. That assumed that people w- would pay. So, all right, um, 1,800 is kind of the, the number. November, the average daily ridership was about 2,300, and that doesn't include the opening weekend where you had all these different events. So about 2,300. December, about 2,400. January, and no surprise, this is January in Wisconsin. January, the numbers plunged. They were down to about 1,600. February and March, well, we, we lost that. They don't have the data for it. They, they, there's nobody that actually counts the number of people that, that get on. They've got sensors, and the sensors supposedly pick up who gets on and who gets off, and that's what these numbers are based on. Well, the sensors weren't working in February, and they weren't working in, in half of March, so we don't have any sort of reliable data for that period of time. April, the average daily ridership was around 1,800. 1,852, so it's in the ballpark of of what they estimated. And between May 1st and May 21st, average daily ridership was 1,900 people, so slightly above, you know, what they they projected. So, again, with the free ridership, the the numbers are, as a general rule, slightly above where they they were projected to be. And I would assume that you're going to have increased daily ridership as, as the weather gets nicer. My guess is if you had reliable numbers from February and the first part of March, you would see, you know, a dramatic decline. But that's, again, because it's all weather dependent. So the, the early projections are kind of on a par with what, what they predicted, maybe slightly above, but the rides are free. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, there's no secret that I have been an opponent of the streetcar all along. At the same time, I'm always willing to you know, reassess my, my opinions. I guess I look at this, and I look at the massive expansion that they're talking about and, and the commitment of tens of millions of additional dollars. And, and my comment would be, wait. <laughs> You know, we, we don't know whether or not this is going to be a success or not. You've had something that's been in operation for essentially six months, right? Maybe if you want to look at it through rose-colored glasses, you want to say, well, the, the numbers have been on a par, maybe slightly encouraging. Oh, okay, I, maybe maybe I'll give you that. The caveat, though, is people aren't paying for this, so it, it's free. I, I guess before you start talking about massive expansions, don't you have to give this a little bit of time to determine whether or not this is something that the community is going to really embrace or whether or not this is just, again, it's, it's this bright, shiny toy. I will tell you, I mean, I, I, I can just anecdotally, I mean, I, I know like retirement communities that decided we're going to take a field trip to ride ride the streetcar, ride the trolley. Well, okay, and, and, and that's all well and good. Nothing wrong with it. But that doesn't prove it's sustainable. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So so let's tee this up. I guess e- even though I'm not a fan of the streetcar, and I, I'll acknowledge, okay, th- these numbers, there's certainly some positive n- stuff to look at. But also it's free. It's certainly, it seems to me, not enough to make a decision to commit tens of millions of dollars more to say, oh, this is going to be a godsend. Am I missing something? Mark on the south side. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? I I think it's way too early. I think you have to go a year after they start charging 
people. You know, it, it, it's like you open up a little ice cream store, and for the first year, you give out free ice cream cones. Right, yeah. You have a lot of customers. Right. Now, next year, when they start charging, are all those people coming back? Right, right. It's a wait and see. Well, you know, interestingly, Mark, and, and, and maybe maybe I will be proved wrong, but, I mean, I, I make these predictions, and they're out there on the podcasts. I don't think they're ever going to charge for this. I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I don't. I, from what I understand, there's no see. There, there's not a conductor. It's not like there's a, a bus driver that you walk past the bus driver and you put the money in the fare box. I mean, the yeah, people that drive these things, them? they're separated, right? No, and there and there's not. They're not going to have a collector that takes tickets. It's not like the monorail in Las Vegas, where you know to get on the monorail, you got to buy a ticket and you got to put it into the the machine at the turnstile. No, it, I think at best it's going to be an honor system. But my guess is, I will just tell you, That's my prediction is they're never going to charge. <laughs> never going to yeah, charge it all for it. And as far as expanding it, you know, right now they've got people in the in the downtown area where there's a lot of events and things going on. If they expand out into the neighborhoods, what's going to draw people to ride in those neighborhoods? Well... Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, thanks. I mean, right? These are all these are all valid questions, and I mean, I see. I do appreciate some members of the Common Council are kind of finally waking up on this, and they're understanding that okay, for for the immediate downtown area, this is a great, bright, shiny new toy, and you've got some you know coffee shops and stuff that are opening up along the the streetcar route, and that that's all. Again, it's it's all well and good. And I also understand the appeal of saying, well, maybe you'd have more ridership if it went to places that people want to go. I get that. I mean, I, I do understand it. But you also have to understand there's this huge cost that comes with, number one, extending the streetcar, tearing up the streets, and, and number two, um, then continuing to operate this. And I guess I understand there's this rush to try to get something done by the Democratic National Com- Convention, but my point would be, you you don't spend enormous you don't spend millions of dollars for a, a four or five day event you 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 just don't the question is going to be is this going to be something that's going to be used and sustainable um over you know a period of time not just for three or four days and and honestly i just don't think we we know the answer to that right now. And, and I, maybe I'm going to be wrong. I mean, maybe at some point in time, this will be embraced and this will be Tom Barrett's huge legacy. And oh my gosh, Tom had the vision to see this is where we wanted to go. And let's, you know, let's name trolley lines after him. That may very well turn out to be the case. I'm just saying, I don't think we know that now. 414-799-1620. Eddie and Franklin. Eddie, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Yes, Love sir. The show. Thank you. So I did. I, I did the the math and in, in, in ballpark figure. If we put ten million dollars into the trolley to do the expansion, and we're getting eighteen hundred dollars a day because you said it's a buck. Is they're going to charge a buck to ride it? There's eighteen hundred riders. Right. It would take twenty seven thousand years to pay off the yeah. ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's it's it. it yeah. Yes. It, it's never now. In fairness, it's never been intended to pay for itself. That. That the the ridership the the dollar amount has always been intended to go to use to sort of offset the operating costs as opposed to the construction costs because you know we do we underwrite the the cost of the roads we underwrite you know the cost of the buses but but no it, it's never going to be a profit center <laughs> no question yeah, about that I, I think I think even still though when you look at those kind of numbers you know and you say it's never really going to be worth the money, regardless of whether how much it brings in for operation costs, which 
to me, you know, the more you expand it, the higher those operation costs are going to be. Oh, absolutely. You know, you're going to have more trolleys. You're going to have, you know, more of the tracks that are going to have to constantly be maintained. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just painting ourselves into a corner. I mean, that money can be used for so many different things. It's just, I cannot, I'm totally with you. This is the trolley folly. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I again, that, talked about it before. right, no, thanks for the call. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded on this. Okay, we'll take a couple more calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. That area has been a mess all day. Kathy in Milwaukee. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay, is, is it time to expand the streetcar based on the numbers we have so far? Well, in the beginning, I was like you. I thought it was a folly. Why do we need a, a train to go around a couple of blocks? Um, but I'm thinking if we're being a little short-sighted here, if we did expand it, if we went it to Pfizer Forum, if we actually brought it out to Miller Park, the ridership could go up oh. and could become sustainable. Well, okay, the... Well, obviously, I, I, I agree with your premise that if you took it to more places that people wanted to go, more people might be inclined to ride it. I mean, you you run it to Fiserv or you run it to UWM or you run it to the airport or you run it to Miller Park or wherever. Now, the flip side of that is, and let, okay, keep in mind that it was what? you know, $60, $70 million, however much it was for like that 2.1-mile streetcar line from the bus depot mm-hmm. to the Lower East Side. I mean, I don't know, running – I mean, imagine if that if that was $60 million, imagine what the cost would be to run it from where it is now, for example, out to Miller Park, you know, which is how many miles? I guess that you're right, more people might be inclined to use it, but at the same time, then you've got all these extra – I mean, just – tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to run it that far. Right, but we've already spent $60 million on it. Would we just be throwing that away if the premise is that the ridership continues to go down, down, and down yeah. and becomes an eyesore and a laughing stock rather than trying to find ways of making it sustainable? You ever heard the thing, throwing good money after bad, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, no, I, I, no, I guess I'm a cockeyed optimist. Uh, well, no, and I, I mean, no, th- thanks for, no, and I, I understand, and I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing this. I mean, that's, and, and look, I want to, I want to, I will acknowledge the honesty of the mayor. The mayor, you know, back even before we, we laid one streetcar track, the mayor was very upfront about this. He said, look, I understand that, you know, the, the ridership is going to be somewhat limited because the streetcar on, only goes to certain places. And he said, but my hope is that once we get this built, then we're going to start expanding it. And and to an extent, he makes exactly that argument that you just do, Kathy. It's like, okay, we put all this dough into this already. All right, so now that we've spent all this money on it, um, we, we have, we're, we're already in. We're invested, so we have to keep spending more money. So let's run it to Fiserv. Let, let's, you know, run it to Marquette. Let's run it out to, to Miller Park. Um, th- that's, I think, been the master plan all along and the justification. And, and maybe that'll turn out to be a good justification. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. That might turn out to be a good justification. I'm just saying, based on these numbers that are coming in thus far, I don't think that there's enough basis that any responsible business, I don't think you have enough of an indicator to make a decision right now 
especially given the fact that all the rides are free. You don't know and you can't predict whether it's going to be a success or not. Now, my hope would be that I, I got to figure that the number of rides are going to go up, you know, once you get uh, once you get into the summer. And, and, you know, I mean, they opened it in November. And, okay, let's face it, November through April or May, the weather's not necessarily great. You know, you would expect that it's going to pick up during the summer as we have more tourists here and stuff. I would just take the attitude of, of maybe you end up needing to wait and see. The other thing that I think continues to be interesting, if we're talking about this expansion to Fiserv, well, I, I, it is interesting, and the aldermen are still trying to pin the city down on this, which is, have there been conversations about the bucks? You know, here you have um, very, very wealthy owners who I'm sure would like to see that that trolley, the streetcar, you know, run to their doorstep of, you know, that, that entertainment district that they have down there, you know, would they be willing to, you know, contribute? Uh, would, you know, one of the owners of the Bucks just bought this uh, soccer team in, in England, you know? Would, would somebody be able to come up with 10 or $20 million to run this this loop from wherever it is now down to Fiserv? If it's going to benefit the Bucks so much, should they end up having some skin in the game? I mean, I think these are all fair questions to ask. My only point is, what's the rush? And if the justification is, well, we have to have this done by the Democratic National Convention, that doesn't make any sense to me at all because, yes, they're going to be here for a week. That's great. But what happens after they all leave? This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I have been waiting all day to discuss this story with you. I don't think it's Disney's fault. Okay, so, M- Melissa, story from my, my past. I'm in San Antonio. San Antonio has this, this river walk area where they've got lots of um, bars and restaurants mm-hmm. and stuff. It's You know, you come out from the in- river walk and you're right there at the Alamo, which is something cool. You've got to see it if you, ever visit, uh, if you ever visit San Antonio. So I'm walking along this river walk and there's all these, th- there's all these you know, bars and stuff and restaurants, like I say. And they also have all these kind of semi-tropical birds that are in in the area, Mm -hmm. right? All right, so all of a sudden I I look over, and one of the birds has pooped on my shoulder. (laughs) I think in some cases that could be good luck. Well, okay, well... (laughs) That's what I hear, I don't know. Well, the the bird has pooped on my shoulder. Okay, well, you know, it's just... it's. I mean, I knew at the time. It was a story. Who knew I'd be telling on the radio 20-some years later? But, yeah, it <laughs> right. pooped on my shoulder. Yeah. Okay, well, then I look around, and there's all these birds that are, are kind of in the area. And because the bars and restaurants have food and stuff, it's an attraction. So the birds kind of hang out there. Sure. Okay? So here is my question to you. The bird has pooped on my <laughs> shoulder outside this, this one very nice cantina. Is it the fault of the cantina that the bird was there and decided to poop on my oh, shoulder. Oh, I don't think so. Birds are birds. You're thinking because of the scraps of food that were yeah, around. Yeah, I mean, right. They, yeah, they should have known they that those birds that. were there. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. All right. So yeah. you're you're saying I'm on my own. Yeah. If, if I want to sue somebody, I sue the bird for <laughs> yes. pooping on my shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Fair enough. That's Melissa's opinion on that. Now, I tell this story. <laughs> Because there, 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 there is, in fact, a lawsuit. Not on bird poop, but here's the deal. There is this woman who lives in the Midwest, and she was staying with her family in Celebration, Florida. Celebration, if you're not aware of this, when, when Walt Disney, when the Disney company developed Disney World, 
in you know the Orlando area. What they did is they also developed next to Disney World. Uh, it was a master planned community called Celebration, and the idea would be okay. People would come, and we you know this would be this would be the community of the future, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Disney developed it, and then they, they sold it off, even though in Celebration, Florida, there's still a lot of ties to the Disney company, a lot of Disney offices and stuff, but people live in, in Celebration. So there's this woman. She is living in Celebration temporarily with her parents. She um, is at Disney World, and she's at the Polynesian Village, and she's out on the dock. Now, if you've ever been to Disney World, there, there's different ways that you can get around from property to property, and you, you can take, like, they've got tram rides, but they also have they also have boats. So, for example, you can go from the Magic Kingdom to the Animal Kingdom, and one of the ways you can do that is by, by going on, on a boat. So she is, she's at the Polynesian Village Resort, and I'm sure I've been there. I'm trying to picture exactly it, but Polynesian Village Resort. She walks out on the dock, and she's waiting for a boat that'll take her across to the Magic Kingdom. So, I mean, she's waiting for the transport. All right, all of a sudden, what get ha- what happens is she gets hit in the head, and, and she thinks she's been hit with a baseball. I mean, she, she goes down apparently like, you know, a sack of potatoes. She is hit in the head. And, you know, she thinks somebody threw a baseball at her. It knocks her out. And, by the way, it's kind of screwed her up. I mean, she's got double vision and all these things. I mean, she sustained a significant head injury as a result of this. Well, well, what was it? Well, like with me, you know, in San Antonio, the bird pooped on my shoulder. Well, what happened here is apparently um, in this Disney property – what they do is they have there's migrating birds that are around there all the time. Apparently, what happened is she was hit in the head as the result of being dive bombed by a bird on the dock. Now, my producers are smiling at this, but it's not funny because well, maybe it's a little funny, but I mean, she's hurt. I mean, she's she's got um, a traumatic brain injury. And she's got herniated discs. I mean, boom, she's knocked off her feet. She's semi-unconscious. And, and it's caused her all sorts of, I mean, distress. So the bird hits her. Um, she has now responded, as we often do in America, with a lawsuit. She, she is suing the Disney company. And the argument is that Disney is aware of seasonal migrating birds and they're aware that they may pose a threat to potential guests, but yet they don't take action to warn the guests. They don't say, warning, you might get hit by a, a dive-bombing bird. Um, she says she suffered these injuries, and she says that Disney had a duty to warn her about this. She said that uh, Disney had a duty to protect guests from this, or at least do stuff that might mitigate them from, you know, being hit by the the bird. All right, 414-799-1620. She says Disney did not keep the dock safe because she was exposed to the dive-bombing bird. They failed to properly warn visitors of the danger, and they also gave her a false sense of security. 
Her attorney says if there's a company that's well-versed in safety, it should be Disney. They don't know exactly what kind of bird dive-bombed her, except that it was a seasonal migrating bird. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't mean to d- dismiss this gal's injuries, because apparently kind of like screwed up pretty badly as a result of this. Uh, but she says Disney is at fault. Now, before you... Before you at least immediately decide, remember a couple years ago, same property, Walt Disney World, you had the situations where they had alligators that were in the ponds. Remember, they had no lifeguards, they had no warning signs up, and you had a couple kids that were attacked by alligators that were in the ponds. And, you know, I think Disney, we don't know how that worked out, but I think Disney ended up, you know, paying settlements to people who got attacked by the alligators. Is this the same? Should Disney be paying for the dive bombing migrating birds? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or is the lady just looking, is she trying to hit the legal lottery looking for a payday? If you get hit by a bird at Disney, is it Disney's fault? 414-799-1620. I will share my thoughts with you, but I'm curious as to where you come on down on this. We're back with the calls in just a minute. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it fair to blame this one on Disney, and should they be writing a check? This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, let me start off with a text. Get this conversation rolling. If you're on the line, hold on just a second. Jeff, Disney is built in a big swamp like the Huracan March and thus is a natural bird sanctuary. But since it's on their property and they make money off their property, they are responsible for injuries to patrons from the birds, not just directly the result of patron negligence or failure to comply with property rules and codes of conduct. And failing to advise of the danger makes them even more responsible. So at least one of the texters says, hey, this lady's got a case. She's out on the dock at the Polynesian. She's waiting for the bus to take her to the, the boat to take her to the Magic Kingdom. This migrating bird dives down, hits her in the head, and screws her up. Yeah, it's Disney's fault. They should have warned her about the birds and done stuff to mitigate the damage. Really. 414-799-1620, what do you think? Paul, who is calling us from Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah, hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I I, I question the lady's sanity. Uh, Migratory birds, they also have federal laws and federal protection. So it depends on what the bird is, depends on uh, a lot of things, whether you can even interfere with that. But also, uh, isn't the Wisconsin State bird a robin? And I know firsthand, you get too close to a robin's nest, and a robin is migratory, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to start dive bombing you. They may pack at you, so what are you going to do, sue the state of Wisconsin? Well, I mean, I, I guess, I, I mean, let's, I mean, you wonder how far you take this. I mean, think about the Huracan Marsh, and imagine if you, you know, where you do have migrating birds, and you run a you run a convenience store, or you run a bar, or you run a restaurant, or something on the outskirts of the Horicon Marsh. You know that there's birds there, and some of them right. get a little bit aggressive. Does that mean the store is going to be um, liable for that? Yeah, swans and geese are mean sometimes. They'll they'll attack. You know, come on. Um, well, no, thanks for I mean, I guess I see. I, I mean, first of all, I don't know what I don't know. Number one, what Disney can do about, you know, the, the birds. I mean, I guess 
what do you do? Do you say, do you warn people? Well, we've got, you know, we've got migrating birds up here and they've been known to, they've been known to dive bomb people. I mean, I don't know how often that happens. I, I don't hear about it a lot, you know, and I, I, I've been to Disney on multiple occasions in my life and I, I don't remember ever being dive bombed by a bird. So it seems to me this is probably a rare sort of incident. But secondly, I don't know what you do about it. Now, the reason before the break, I brought up the alligator thing because I do think that's, a different sort of situation, in part also because, I mean, there, there's birds everywhere. And, you know, I mean, I think a dive bombing sort of situation, and it's unfortunate. I don't mean to mock the lady because you know, herniated discs and, a, and traumatic brain injury by the dive bombing bird. But, you know, the alligator to me is different. If you know, for example, that there is a good likelihood that you have alligators in your ponds and you have, you know, kids that are on the beach that are running around. At the very least, I think that you should be putting up signs that say, putting everybody on notice that, yeah, there's alligators or there might be alligators around here and you better be on guard for that. I, I think... That to simply say, well, it's, you know, it's Florida and, you know, you, there, there's alligators everywhere, so you have to assume that. I don't necessarily think that's fair. And that's why I was critical of Disney a few years back when you had this. And I, I'm sure what they did is they settled. You know, these kids that got attacked by the alligators, my guess is Disney wrote out big checks to their family to kind of, you know, make this whole thing go away and then probably took steps to address it. Birds are completely different. I mean, it's one thing to say, let's fool, let's figure out how we're going to warn people and deal with an alligator that might be in a pond. If there's millions of birds up there and one decides to dive bomb you, I don't know that there's much that you can do. Just like I don't think there was too much I can do, um, you know, when the bird decided to poop on my shirt when I was in San Antonio, except just... You know, just kind of sort of smile and say that's life. And I, again, I, I'm sorry for the lady getting hurt. And I understand that sometimes you have these companies that, you know, are, are just like big targets. Okay, well, you know, she's injured. Maybe we can figure out a way to try to collect money. But, I mean, warn the guests. What do you warn the guests? Hey, there's birds out there. You know, be on the lookout. It's not like it's on an Alfred Hitchcock movie or anything. And I, I can't believe that this happens very often. But, but it happened at Disney at least once. It's for the birds. When we come back, a guy defends his house. Now he finds that he's in trouble. We'll discuss. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's 225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, here's the story. In New York, New York State, you can possess a handgun, but you need to have a permit. The gun has to be registered. You have to have a permit for it. All right, okay, so that's the law. Um, long, the, the, law the law for long rifles is a little bit different, but you have to have a handgun permit. So here's the story, and I, I think this was yesterday that this happened. It, it could have been a week ago, too, but I think this is yesterday. 64-year-old guy lives in upstate New York, comes home yesterday afternoon and finds two people. It's a home invasion. He walks in into his home in the middle of, and he finds that there's two people inside the home burglarizing it. One is a 57-year-old woman and a 27-year-old man. Okay, so they're, they're in the house. They're robbing the house, all right? He, he has a gun, 
And I don't know whether the gun was in the house or he had the gun with him. He has a gun. He does not have a permit for the gun. And in New York State, you need to have you need to have a permit for the gun. He doesn't have a permit for the gun. So he comes in, he confronts these two people who are burglarizing his home, and he shoots and ends up killing both of them. One is a 27-year-old guy, the other is a 57-year-old woman. He kill he shoots and kills them both. All right. So they call the police. The police come out. They do the investigation. And I, I think the conclusion is that he was within his rights to shoot them because, again, felt the you know, reasonable threat to his life, et cetera, et cetera. So the two burglars are dead. Um, he's he's alive. So he shot them with a the gun, but he doesn't have a permit for the gun. So what do the police do? The police arrest him because the handgun is illegally owned. So he, 64-year-old guy, he's put in handcuffs, and even though they say the shooting was legitimately in self-defense, he's taken to jail, and he's charged with a felony that is possession of an illegal handgun. Again, my understanding is it, it just it wasn't registered. He didn't have a permit for the gun, so he's looking at a Class E felony, not for shooting the two burglars in self-defense, but rather for not having a permit for the gun. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's play this out. If, of course, he didn't have the firearm, who knows what would have happened to him as he surprised the burglars. So this is a legitimate exercise in self-defense, but he's clearly wrong. He doesn't have the permit to have the gun. The only reason that authorities find out that he's got the gun illegally is because he used it in an exercise of self-defense. Here is my question for you. Should he be charged with a felony under these circumstances? Should he be put in prison for not having the permit for the gun? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or is this a situation of, well, kind of no harm, no foul? Yeah, he, he should have had the permit. He should certainly get a permit if he's going to keep the firearm. But you know what? If he hadn't had the firearm... He would have been the victim in this case. Who knows if he would still be alive? Yeah, he needs the permit, but all right, under the circumstances, let him go. Give him, you know, tell him to get either take the gun or give him his gun back and tell him, you know, you, you need a permit for it. Do you charge this man with a felony? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Are you victimizing the victim by charging him with a crime? Okay, lots of people want to weigh in on this. We're lining up the phone calls as we speak. Let me take a very quick break for the news, and when we come back, we'll discuss it, and I'll tell you where I come down on this from my perspective as a former prosecutor as well. But should he be charged? And, and by the way, I, I don't think there's any issue. He, he, the gun, he didn't have a permit for the gun. New York State says you got to have a permit. He didn't have one. Do you charge him with a felony under these circumstances? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Kevin starts us off with a text. Jeff, first thought is the guy should have had a permit. However, I'm guessing in New York State there are several hoops ordinary citizens have to jump through to get a permit. Tougher gun laws usually only affect average citizens, not criminals. And I don't think he should be charged because if I was on the jury, I'd never convict the man under these circumstances. John in Kenosha. John, good afternoon. Hey, thanks, Jeff, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I was telling your screener that I think it's a ridiculous part by the police that they are charging him mm-hmm. um, for some, you know, that he didn't have a permit, and you know that won't really harm the public that much. And I just, I think it's just ridiculous by mm-hmm. police departments that, you know, I guess by with states that have these laws. Um, if you don't have a permit. Well, I mean, here's, um, I mean, uh, John, thanks for calling. I mean, look, here, here's what I would do. And and again, I, I'm going to assume my understanding of this is he just didn't have the permit. And I'm let, let's assume that it, it's not like a stolen gun or and he, the guy's not a felon as near as I can figure out. I'm pretty sure of that I think the reason he's been charged is just because he did not have a permit. He didn't jump, jump through the hoops to have a permit. He should have had a permit. I get all that. But but here's the bottom line. The man stopped a home invasion and probably say and perhaps saved his life by having access to that firearm. To charge him, at least in my opinion, with a felony is to victimize the victim. So if you say to me, hey, Wagner, what are you, you're a law and order guy. You mean you ignore the law? No, no, but you use your discretion. You take the gun away from him and you say, sir, what's his name, Ronald? You say, Ronald, here's the deal. You know, before I can give you this gun back, you got to get yourself a permit. And to me, that's that's the end of this conversation. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Trevor in Cedarburg. Trevor, good afternoon. Hi, uh, it's good to talk to you. Thanks for calling. You know, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, at what point does the Constitution kick in here where, you know, your Second Amendment right to, to bear arms, this guy defended himself against criminals. Right. Now he's being held as a criminal. Yep. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, if, if I'm the judge on this case, I'm going to look into a couple things. One of the things I'm going to look into is, you know, does this guy have any priors or history of violence? The second thing is... And my understanding is no. My understanding is the problem isn't because he's like a felon or somebody who is prohibited from having a handgun. It's just he didn't jump through the hoops to get the permit. Exactly. And then the, the second thing is, is he new to the area? Did he, you know, just move to the state and not necessarily realize he needed mm-hmm. a permit? But, you know, if I'm this judge, I'm going to look at this and just be like, this is a joke. You know what? Maybe here's a, you know, we're going to knock it down, maybe give you a small fine, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to have to get a permit before you get your your firearm back. But good for you. Yeah, I mean, I think, see, I mean, look, and that that to me is the whole notion of discretion. I've got a couple people who are texting me and make a valid point. They say, okay, Jeff, we understand what you're saying, but... What what do you do if you if you let this guy off under these circumstances? What do you do the next time a case rolls around where you've got somebody that's got a gun without a permit? And to which my response would be, well, okay, I, I assess that one. I, I look at every case on a case-by-case basis, and I try to decide what the appropriate penalty should be and what the appropriate charge would be. The best example I would give is we, we don't pull everybody over for going a thir- going 37 in a 35-mile zone, okay? Maybe they pull you over at 50 and they don't pull you over at 39. Well, you're speeding in either case, but they're using some discretion here. And I guess in this particular case, 
I don't think that you are abusing your discretion or saying, hey, the next time we find somebody with a gun without a permit, we've given up our right to be able to to charge them. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Steve in Menominee Falls. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I listen to you often. Thank you. Um, yeah, my take on this, let's say this guy inherited this this uh, this weapon. Uh, it's a part of an estate. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be high on his priority list to go get a, uh, a permit for that, right. but thank, thank God he had it. And even, even still... Let's say this guy wouldn't be legal to, to own it. What's he supposed to say? Okay, I, I inherited this from my dad or from my grandfather. You know, I, I, I can't have this. It would right. be a great weapon, but 99 out of 100 people would say, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take it, and I'll just keep it in the drawer and keep it for huh. my kids. Yeah, yeah. follow where I'm going with this? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, thank, I guess, look, and, look, and I'm not excuse. I mean, they, they've... Reasonable people can argue about whether or not you you should have to have a permit to keep a firearm in your home. Okay, and but but New York State has that law that says you need to have the permit. And I I don't want to you know I don't want to you know say that we're we're not going to hold the guy accountable for that because he was wrong. He should have had a permit. But at the same time, I, I look at these various circumstances and I sit there and I say, well. Okay, yeah, he should have had the permit, and and that's fine. And now I think it's perfectly reasonable to say to him, you better get a permit. And that's why my response would be, don't do this again. We're keeping your gun until you come in and show us you've got a permit. But the idea of prosecuting the man for a felony and the idea of putting him in prison or putting him in jail, I guess I I just don't see that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Steve in Wauwatosa. Hi, Steve. Hi, great show. Thank you, sir. I was, I was telling you, the, or it's true, I'm sorry. Yes. That, uh, number one, this is a state that thinks she protected. Thank God they didn't break a bottle of it as they came into his house to attack it. Yeah. But when we have, this is the ultimate failure in the government's argument, that the people don't need to protect themselves, don't need what the Second Amendment was initially put in there for. They, they cannot protect them. They tell us, you don't need your weapons, you, you can't do this and you can't do that. Call us, we'll take care of it. And then when it fails or when they're unable to, they say, we're doing our best, we're trying to do better, just have to understand we can't all... Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Steve, your, your cell phone was cutting out there. And I, look, this is kind of the point. Now, I understand that, I, I understand that the David Clark, former sheriff of Milwaukee County, is in disfavor and kind of sort of went off the deep end. But, th- you know, this was the point. Remember a few years ago, you know, Sheriff Clark ran these ads, you know, talking about that, that you know, you can call 911, but that that's, there's, there's a response time here, you know, and, and if you've got that, you've got that burglar that's in your house banging on your bedroom door, well, it's fine to, to call 911, but 911's not, the, the cops just aren't going to be able to get there fast enough. And that's not an indictment of the sheriff's department or the police department or whatever. It is that this awareness that's out there. And again, I, this guy was in the wrong. He was in the wrong for not having a permit. I just don't see what you gain by trying to make him a felon. And to me, again, it's victimizing the victim. Okay, when we come back, we're going to completely and totally switch gears. All right, there's a series of articles out there that say that J.C. Penney's and Kohl's 
are letting down middle-aged women. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link to a story and kind of an amazing video that I, I did want to call your attention to. On, on this program, we, we regularly do topics where I criticize people who who see racism where none exists. You know, yesterday we did a topic about cultural appropriation, and you had these Spanish teachers at this high school who posed for pictures wearing uh, ponchos and sombreros, and, and some people, they were Spanish teachers. Then you had a French teacher who posed wearing a beret and sunglasses and gloves, and, and nobody got upset about that, but a couple people saw these pictures and thought, oh, this is cultural appropriation. They're making fun of Hispanics when it was the farthest from the truth. And and so I, I, I criticize that political correctness and the folks who wake up you know, every morning with essentially that, that chip that they seem to want to have knocked off their shoulder. And, and so I, I understand I do that as a theme, and sometimes I will get feedback from people who will say, well, okay, Jeff. Do you ever see examples? Will you acknowledge that there is real racism in the world? And I say, of course, I acknowledge there's real racism in the world. That's why I talk about some of these situations where it's people that are just playing the race card for whatever purpose, because I think they distract from the examples of real racism. And so then the challenge is, well, I, I don't hear you talking about some of those examples. Well, here is one, and and this is again, I've got a link to the story up on my Twitter feed and this video. Uh, Memorial Day, so a couple days ago, there's a husband and a wife who are black. He, um, their names are Franklin and Jessica Richardson. He, by the way, is a, a sergeant in the Army National Guard. Just got back a couple months ago from a deployment in the Middle East. So it's Memorial Day, right? They wake up, and they, um, this is down in Mississippi, and they, they decide, hey, it's a wonderful day. You know, let's, we want to go out and have a picnic. So apparently what they do is they sit down, and they kind of um, they research. There's, there's a lake in the area kind of where they're, they're close to, and they're looking for a place where they and their dog can go out, and we can have a little bit of a picnic. And so they settle on this, this, this lake which is a public lake about 10 miles away from where they live. Now, there's a private campground that's right by the lake. The lake is a public spot. The campground is, is private, okay? So there, there's some question. It, it's unclear as to whether or not they can use, since the lake is public, can they sit at the picnic tables that are next to the lake? Okay, it's a little bit unclear, all right? But regardless, they, they pull up. They decide we're going to have a picnic, so they, they sit down, and they are this couple is black. They've got their dog with them. They're there for about two minutes when all of a sudden a pickup truck pulls up, and this woman gets out. I'm looking at a picture of her now. Um, I would describe her as an older woman, and she's wearing, like, these spandex shorts, and she's got a big handgun that's crammed in the waistband of of her shorts and she pulls up now th- these people they're they're at a picnic table they're they're by the lake and like i say i guess there's a question as to whether 
they should be are they trespassing or not they can be on the lake but does the picnic table belong to the campground i don't know they and, and they didn't know either so this woman pulls up in a pickup truck identifies herself as a property manager jumps out of the black dodge ram pulls out the gun with one finger on the trigger as she points the gun at these two people she's like get get you don't belong here you don't belong here you don't belong here at which point in time um one of the i think it's the wife starts filming this lady and i've got a link to the to film and you can see her carrying this gun around and she's screaming at at these people um they then are saying wait wait a second she's going you don't belong here you don't belong here etc and she's waving this gun and they end up and they're, they're saying well okay look if we're not supposed to be here all you have to do is tell us to leave you don't have to stick a gun in our face and so she scares them off so what they do is they decide they're going to go up to they're going to go up to the the campground the business office because they want to find out you know what what just happened here and why is this lady walking around sticking a gun in our face she literally pulls a gun because we're out here um we, we didn't even know we had have to have reservations and the lady saying you know she didn't tell us we couldn't be here if she told us we would, couldn't be here we would have ended up leaving um so they go into the campground office and apparently the guy they talk to is another property manager who as it turns out is this woman's husband and and he he says well no you know you can use the picnic tables you know you just have to have a reservation to stay here that that's open to the public at which point in time the lady apparently drives up this is the gun-toting lady pulls up hops out of her truck and begins to yelling get in the car get in the car get back out of here and starts cursing her out now I watched this, and like I say, I've got a link to the video. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. And you have a black couple, and you have this older white woman. And I, I will tell you, and I maybe I'm being unfair about this, but I don't think so. There is no question at all watching this that if this were me and my wife, for example, if this was Fran and I. There's no way that we would have been treated like that. I, I just don't flat out believe that this lady would have pulled a gun on us. And in my opinion, this reaction was probably, and that, that's the way the couple perceived it too. They said, hey, look, all, all you had to do was tell us that, you know, we're, you know, we don't belong here without a reservation and we would have left. There's no question in my mind that in this particular case, this couple was treated differently because they were a black couple in Starkville, Mississippi, as opposed to a white couple. If this had been um, this had been a white couple, I think it would have been different. Um, you can judge for yourself, but for everybody who says, "Well, can you give me an example where you think you know the race card is appropriately played?" This is one because I think this lady, I think she treated him differently because they were black. Period. All right, we've got a WTMJ time saver traffic update with Tony Beck. All right, thank you, Jeff. From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, I'm Tony Bedock. PellaWI.com, time saver traffic alert. You have a full road closure, 94 eastbound in Waukesha County. It's beyond the exit to Highway T. All lanes are blocked because of a crash. They do have emergency crews on the scene right now cleaning the area. And actually looking at the traffic cam now, it's looking like they are letting cars through the far left lane. But be prepared for delays, 94 eastbound. That's in Waukesha County, right at the exit to Highway T. More details and interactive traffic maps right now at WTMJ.com and on the WTMJ mobile app, WTMJ News Time 253. 
It seems like we have more and more of our share of bad traffic during my show. I'm starting to take this personal. We'll continue to keep updated on everything going on the roadways. Let me take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.